All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Course Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. Hey, hey, what's going on? What's going on, y'all? This is QLS Classic. My name is Questlove. You're listening to a classic episode of Questlove Supreme. Um, Hey, what can I say? Jesse Johnson from the time. Uh, You know, of course, purple episodes are my favorite. This is from August 1st of 2018. What makes this Jesse episode uh, so special in addition to his uh, storytelling and his amazing life is uh, the sneak guest that he uh, brought into the show that we weren't aware of or that I wasn't aware of. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, This is part one of a two-part, Jesse Johnson, and uh, it's Questlove Supreme, QLS Classic. This works. <laughs> Suprema, su, su, Suprema roll call. 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 Yeah, what? Yeah. I'm always getting into something. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Laia says I ain't right. Some could say. Oh, don't go home with him, or my bark's worse than my bite. Uh, you can trust me, girl. <laughs> a gentleman never, a gentleman never tells. <laughs> Your secret's safe on sight. Hey, Jesse. Yeah. Come here, man. Guess, Guess what, what I did, did last night? Suprema, Suprema, roll call. Suprema, Suprema, roll call. My name is Sugar. Yeah. Used to drive a Celica. Yeah. Back when this dude yeah. was making Shockadelica. Roll call. Suprema, Suprema, roll call. Suprema, Suprema, roll call. Bill was five. I was corrected by my mother. Yeah. I was sure today's guest yeah. was my father's brother. Roll call. <laughs> 
Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. It's Laia. Yeah. And Jesse Yo. Just looking for an excuse. Yeah. To go oh 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 roll call hey. Suprema 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 roll call okay. I just Suprema Suprema roll call uh, uh, yeah uh, yeah uh huh yeah and yeah yeah uh, I want a picture like roll call Suprema Suprema roll call Suprema Suprema roll call Suprema Suprema roll call Suprema Suprema roll call Oh yeah that's all. Yeah. Oh, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, <laughs> clowning early. No, dog. No, you don't There's a long story y'all behind that. And no. cute at the same time. That you can't even. Y'all get away with her thinking she's right there. <laughs> those those three away. seconds. Those three seconds are the staple of the yes. show. You, yes. It's a long story to explain what that means. But, ladies and gentlemen, uh, nothing excites us more uh, than getting one-on-one time. Uh, what? I consider with any purple disciple on Questlove Supreme, and this is no exception. Or why, y'all, say pink. why y'all bring up bad memories? I was about though. to say pink disciple. <laughs> y'all you, bring up bad memories uh-oh. with that shockadelica stuff. No, no, no. Uh, y'all did. Y'all don't know the story behind that. I, I've heard the story. I, we, we don't know. care we, what y'all hold. We, we, we gonna people, talk. People you lying. had it first. You had it first. You had it first. You had I know it first. the truth. Wait, we we gonna get to that. Let, let me introduce you first, bro. Anyway, our guest is a master axeman on par with. Some of the best brothers to ever touch the guitar, from Eddie Hazel to Ernie Isley to Brother Nelson himself, uh, Suggy Otis, Jimi Hendrix, name him, uh, Ike Turner, anybody. Uh, he's gaining attention uh, as a member. I thought of- he said he's gay. I'm like, what? Bro, <laughs> yeah, I'm so happy. Can breaking Jesse, news can- I didn't even know. About. I'm like, what? He's gained he's attention gay. as a member. Okay. He's gay and now this motherfucker gaining wants, wants attention. attention. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I swear. Ladies like, and gentlemen, we have Jesse Johnson on the show. Look at that. Thank you, Quest. No, thank, thank you, Quest. Thank you. It's actually my pleasure, man. It's my pleasure. How's it going, bro? It's good, man. I can't complain. And That's then good. when people, you know, I'm a true New Yorker in a sense. When you ask me how am I doing, I'm like, compared to who? Yeah, you know, I definitely ask you that. But well, thank you, man. I'm I'm glad you you. But I'm good. Man. I haven't I've I really haven't had a chance to chop it up with you since, uh, well, since you've been on the scene. Uh, yeah, no, that's why I I this would what great timing, huh? Yeah, because we've done so much stuff together. So we've never had it, but we're always like part, jumping out of the plane with the parachute on and hitting the ground running. Part of me always knew that I'd have this platform one day, so I think I wanted to save all of my fan out moments for when the tapes are rolling mm-hmm. so I could just ask any and everything because I feel like I mean after you broke my heart about the the Lindrum 777 oh. story <laughs> yeah it broke a lot of hearts yeah then I'm certain that there's like 50 other stories you're about to debunk today yeah they always say the truth is can be heavy careful well, yeah. truth hurts yeah that's right so uh, well yeah I, I guess I should say that we are uh, recording at the uh, world famous Electric oh Lady God. Studios, the House of Jimmy, and uh, alive and well in New York. We're actually in the B room, which uh, I, you know, really. What did we do here, Steve? We did like send it on, maybe. 
Oh, Sibididu. Um, one more again was I guess was in here. Yeah, one more again oh, wow. and it on. So a lot of vocals and and mixing in here. But drum, I, I know that. Uh, I at least know that a track send it on in here. Like we started off in this room before we even went to the A room. So like a lot of the early stuff, I'm sure there's a real Superman lover on it back when uh, I think him and BB King were supposed to oh, yeah. duet. <laughs> oh, Superman wow. lover. We're talking about uh, doing D'Angelo's voodoo. But, uh, but right wait, now, so Jesse, you never recorded in here before? I I've came here a couple of times when he was when D was working there, but I wouldn't come in because it's like the head space in here. Is like, you know, I'm a Jimmy yeah. disciple, so it's like just, even now it's, it's just, overwhelming. Yeah, it, it's heavy because you, depending on you know what you feel yeah. and how you feel things, and I usually feel what's going on, and it's 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 beautiful, but it's heavy. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say that sixty eight sixty eight years later, um, maybe. Would you say that at least seventy five percent of the studio is still intact from the original plan of of? Well, first of all, it's fifty years. Yeah, not, not what did I say? You said sixty eight. Oh, I meant nineteen sixty eight. Excuse yeah. me, oh. fifty years. Excuse um, me. Yeah, well, technically opened in seventy, um, but uh, but there's there's some gear that's original, some microphones, some, but but structurally, it's mostly structurally exactly and the, the artwork same, yeah. and you know. Can we can we reiterate to everybody too that you kind of grew up in this building for some of the new Quest Love Supreme listeners as Sugar Steve actually, you know. I stole Sugar Steve from Electric Lady Studio. Well, I mean, I'm only like the third most interesting person here. So. Yeah, no, I, but since because somebody might be listening, like, what the hell does Sugar Steve know? Well, well actually, it, he knows a lot. Yeah, I mean, I came up here as an intern, started yeah. uh, cleaning the toilets, and then uh, stayed for about eight or nine years. And um, I, wait, you were here eight years before. No, I started basically when you when you came here. So you were an intern when Voodoo started. Yeah, we told I you. I didn't know we that. Told you, <laughs> <laughs> we told you something else. But, oh shit! <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I was an assistant engineer. Okay. Um, as, okay. Who cleaned the toilets? <laughs> at, at the time, there was a cat here named Jimmy that we swore was the actual ghost of of Jimi Hendrix. One time, he um. There was a what was it? He jumped on the the board and yeah. If he jumps on the console while you're mixing, it means like he approves of the mix. You know? Yeah. But there was one time when he like we were looking for the source of some feedback thing, and the cat actually jumped on the board and pressed <laughs> and turned it off and pressed some button, and then we were forever convinced that that was Jimi Hendrix. Uh, Plus his name was Jimmy, which which really helped. Yes, that helped. All right, so Jesse. Yeah. Uh, I always start each show with this question. Where were you born? Uh, Rock Island, Illinois. How far is that from? Small town. um, Probably four or five hours from Chicago. It's between, before you hit Chicago, you hit Rockford and some other. Aurora, that famous Mm -hmm. place from uh, Wayne's World. Yeah. Okay. Said he thought he had my. I used to play in Aurora, Illinois, Gainesburg. Gainesburg. Burl, I think it's called a Gainsborough or something like that. I used to play all over those places, you know. But Aurora in the movie, he said he thought he had mono, but he just thought he was bored oh. in Aurora. <laughs> but Aurora was really like that. But Peoria, I played one of those. Uh, you know, you've seen the story. The uh, Richard, Richard probably talked about the pimp. Yeah. Convention. I played one of those oh, in wow. Peoria, Illinois, for real, and they—they're real. Like the dude comes in the pimp of the year with the cup. And well, the, I was going to say you were born in the '60s, so you were 
I this was, was in I the seventies at least. Yes, but, but I played with. Uh, I I was so fortunate. I played with. Uh, these guys was telling me one time that they were Al Green's band. So it was a drummer, David Govan, his brother, Oscar on guitar, brother Dennis on bass. They were signing their Al Green's band. You know, you meet people. And, mm. you know, I'm in a little town. I can't imagine. I'm like, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. And I remember uh, playing at this bar, midnight specials on the TV on break, and them cats was up there playing with Al Green. And I used to, so I used to play. I was fortunate enough as a youngster to play with some real cats. You know, get to travel around and. Just drop out of school and all that fun stuff. Well, for a lot, or I'm saying for a lot of us, for me at least, like you think of Illinois, you just basically think of Chicago. I, I grew up South Side Chicago. I grew up the two cities that I grew up in. I was born in Rock Island, but I grew up in South Side Chicago and one of the other roughest places other than the rough side of. You've heard Quincy Jones talk about the South Side of Chicago. It's not yes. a joke. It's like escape from New York, cars on fire and stuff in Jackson Park. It was a really. But East St. Louis was no joke. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in East yeah, St. Louis. I was going to say, you... I, yeah, I grew up in East St. Louis. So I saw George. Um, think the album might have been. I God, I can't. Yeah, but it was Jerome Braley. But it was years before. But Jerome Braley had the the stuff that's on the mother. George has on the Mothership Connection album. Yeah. But he was wearing that. So they were coming off. I think maybe the Chocolate City. But I saw them. I was a little kid. I rode three buses to get to. They played at East Side High. And when I would tell that story to George, George would be like, oh, man, you're telling your age. I'm like, no, I was a little kid. I just was, I had older brothers. Okay. So I was in the, you know, they exposed me, you know, I'd read all the Donald Goins books and Iceberg Slams and and the great music, you know, because I had, I had, you know, seven older brothers. Whoa. Damn. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) You were the youngest of seven? No, I'm like, like towards the end, but I, you know, I got older brothers though. Okay. How many siblings in total? Huh? How many siblings in total? Shit, maybe. I shouldn't cuss, right? <laughs> no, yes. you should yeah, yeah, yeah. cuss. Oh, shit. This yeah. the internet. It's a lot of us. It, it's, uh, it was like 12 of us Gosh. or something. Because wow. my father, well, he raised going? everybody, but they were not those. My older siblings are not his siblings. I'm my father. I'm his oldest, and then I have a a brother and a sister, and those are my fathers. Oh, your father was a man. Yeah, That's dope. he raised the other kids. I grew up. He was the man. man. And then we never, you know, in black families, if you got, you can have 12 brothers and sisters, but they all got different right. dads, but you never hear words like, That's my stepsister. That's my half sister. It's like, you know, it's yeah, sister. sister. Same here. Yeah, he, exactly. So were you, how did uh, you develop your, uh, musical skills was your family into music or no but they my father um he gave me the um uh, he well, it was a lot of my household had a lot of like if i wanted to play music i had to be able to i remember i you know you, you know you wake up in the middle of the night oh my boy you can play and then you and, and i had For to be able downstairs. to do stuff like exactly And if you couldn't do that, he wouldn't. I wasn't allowed to play some. Of, so I was allowed to play in bands at an early age because he had all these thick records. I didn't know. I think I forget what they're called, but they look like an album, but they're smaller. Seventy eights. Yes, but they had no names on them, so they were that old. And he and you remember the old record players because we didn't ruin all of his records. We just slowing them down to learn the, you know. Learning all that, and so you slow the record. So he had all these collections. It was lightning Hopkins. I mean, it wasn't until many years later 
later that I realized it was Lightning Hopkins and all, but they had no names on them. But I had to know all that stuff, and that's why I could play Bottleneck and all kind of tunings and Robert Johnson because he was like, if you can play this, then you can go play. So you're a true bluesman, to through and through. But just to please your dad, like he wasn't no, impressed with no, you unless he was knew. a. I I was so fortunate in the house growing up. I mean, when I read your backstory, it's, it sounds a lot like mine, except for my parents were not musicians, but they would promote shows. So, and, and as a little kid growing up in a small town like Rock Island, which is very a predominantly Jewish town, which was a real, a real cool thing because I grew up inadvertently with a lot of culture. No, Steve's happy. Yeah, it was it? I saw my friends. I grew up, you know, matzo ball and the whole shot, you know, with a lot of culture, but not realizing it because, you know, you're just a little kid growing up. But mm-hmm. I would wake up some mornings and there's a guy in the living room. And I was like, who's that? And it was a cat named Major Lance. Major Lance. Had a song yeah. called Monkey Time. So they would put together shows like that. My father would. So he would, I guess, be a quasi promoter, but he worked a gig or he worked a couple of jobs, but he he would promote the shows. And I mean, one day you wake up and it's like, Major Lance in the living room and, you know, Jimmy McCracken, you know, different cats like that. So I would really not realizing, you know, oh, I'm not even in school good yet. So but I but they listen to the between the two of them, they listen to everything. They loved everything. So my vocabulary, my ears are so giant because it was not. So I the love of music is just a love of music, but I love all styles. This, this is a recurring theme on the show. Either DJs become producers or if you're three or four years old like god's in the living room teaching you uh, steve miller with les paul (laughs) exactly so uh what was your band situation like in school like were you forming bands and no i was really you know i guess you it was the weirdest thing i was like of course you, you you know it's like a disease once you discover music and you really get the jones because it's like you see girls and you're just like oh man she's so pretty blah, blah, blah. but you know it was like that during that time and girls would say you don't get high and i go no and they go oh i can't deal with you mm-hmm. and, and, and i just always try to tell my kids it's like i was always a straight dude i was always a nerd dude i said but look what i did and look what they did i said i when i went back to rock and the first time i played the i was with the time it was prince in the time and we played Palmer Chiropractic Auditorium, whereas where I grew up there and seeing mm-hmm. Thin Lizzy, everybody at that place and ACDC. So here I'm at this place and it's Prince in the Time. And and then when I went on my own, I went back there and played where Hendrix and Zeppelin played at the Call Ballroom. So, you know, and it's and I just remember this girl, she was like Miss Black Quad Cities. And I remember she walked on, I was sitting on the girl's porch in Davenport, Iowa, and she walked up the stairs and I said, Hi, I'm sitting there talking to someone. And she walked up stairs to meet with somebody and I said, Hi. And she didn't even speak to me. And then when I played there, she almost got hit by a car running across the street <laughs> to say something to me. But it's like, you know, but I didn't, <laughs> didn't say nothing, but yeah. you just go like, See? You mm. just never know. That dude janitoring over there cleaning the toilets. You just oh come on, man. Why I know I did the same thing. You don't y'all don't even understand, man. I cut, I cut teeth. If y'all y'all you, you don't for a second. I, I, wait, a dentist assistant too? Like <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, I did all kinds of stuff. Tell what, us the stuff like the first job that you had. I okay as a, I wanted my first my first real guitar and um. Yeah, a, what kind of acts did you have as a kid? 
I had like the regular tie skulls and the, the strings the were so high. It was like a break. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that $29, that was a lot of lawns I mowed. Mm. And you know, when you're a kid, you have a stack of 29 wands. You're right. like, load it. <laughs> oh, right. You just keep, you take it out the door and look I'm at it. I'm still that way. And I had the, uh, and I had I'll the, pay uh, ones. <laughs> I had the memory. I don't know if y'all remember this because I'm older than y'all, but crystal radio. There was these things that you would sit in the window. You'd build these little radios and they didn't have batteries, but you sit them in the window and they gather and store sunlight. And then at night, you could listen to the radio. Oh, solar radio. Solar power Yeah, radios. but that's what they called there. But they were called crystal radio back then because it wasn't solar. It had like a little crystal in it that would store sunlight. And you'd build them from realistic and before Radio Shack and all that. But yeah, that's how I kind of started getting exploring different styles of music and getting those jazz stations or blues stations that wasn't even in the... the yeah, I was going to say, how prevalent was, was there a black uh, radio station in... East St. Louis it was, because I'm always telling um, uh, my cousin that it was black radio that broke um, Benny and the Jets. It was never a single. Mm-hmm. But it was a DJ in uh, East St. Louis named um, Jim Gates. Yeah, it was never a single. Black radio, d- this DJ, they started playing it. And at the time, they were black radio, unlike, I don't know if, because I was in East St. Louis. I would Even when I lived in Rock Island, I would go to my mother's in the summer in East St. Louis and my mother's, I mean, I'm, I'm just, when I talk about this, cause I have a book, an audio book that's coming out later in the year, but okay, it, she had a backyard and then it was a fence dividing the backyards instead of an alley. So there was a, there would be this guy every now and then sitting on the back porch in a chair playing guitar. And I would go over sometimes I'm a young kid. I go over and I go, hi, you know, and just watch him play guitar, and he'd have a pipe, and he'd be playing. And that cat was Albert King. What? Whoa. So he would go, you know, he would say, you know, because his guitar is strung up like for me, but he just turns it this way and plays it with the strings upside down. So I, he would go, he would show me things. And so when I, uh, older, when I tell people, I know exactly what he's playing and how he was tuned, because he was like, he would show me. And so when I would go... Right? Mm-hmm. I knew exactly what he was doing because I got to see him do that when I was 13. Wow. And he would show me his stuff. And he would, and what it was, he dated the lady behind, living behind my mother. And, and I remember it so brightly because at the time, Lou Brock was a St. Yeah. Louis Cardinal, but he had these Dodge dealerships and it was with Lou Brock Dodge was right there. And, and, uh, didn't realize it was Albert King, but he drove his own tour bus. So there'd be this every time there'd be this big bus. Yeah, I'm just, wow. <laughs> I know it's wow. just like it, that's why when I I was telling somebody on the plane here yesterday, I said when I talk about my life, it's just I was like I'm lying, you know, because there's too much. <laughs> no, it's planet. It's oh, just about right. It's just too much stuff lines up for me. Like, um, you know, you know my sister, right, Sue Ann Carwell. She's my play sister, but we like really oh, close. Uh, okay. We, you know, Swan was. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Swan, that was her big joke. She's like, man, how you, he just got here. Dude, he's famous. Because I came to Minneapolis not knowing anybody. I'm staying at the YMCA, like one of the village people, right? You know, the Y. <laughs> yeah. If you didn't live anywhere, you know, you could, they would let you crash Stay out. Right. Yeah. So I came to Minneapolis not knowing anybody. I'm staying at the YMCA. I'm chilling. April 1981. By June, I'm in the stars on that album cover. Wow. <laughs> wow. And, and Swan is like, <laughs> wow. what the f- <laughs> <laughs> what the, who, 
and I didn't know anybody. So what the fuck? Exactly. <laughs> so what would happen is I was I during the day I would go, I would go walking around, and so people would think I was somebody else. They go, are, are you Donna? Are you related to that? And I didn't know anybody. And I go, no. So I'd be walking around, and if you go back and there's a guitar store there. I think it's still there. It's called Newt Coupe. But if you go back and check out, there's old ads that I did model for before I was ever in the time. So you'll see. You can look up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So were you, you were dressing like a rock star already? No, no. I just must have looked a certain oh, way. Are you just fine? No. Okay, like, were you doing no, the Richie Valens, just walking around with your guitar in your hand? No, head? not nothing. I, didn't, I don't even think I had any of that stuff with me then. Because I had to, when I joined this band Enterprise, I had to have all that stuff come up. That's crazy. So, uh, what effect, knowing that, I, I believe you were born in 60, what effect did watching, how did Hendrix enter your life? Well, I was too young to have uh, seen him, so when I got, but I remember the day, I remember we lived in, I was in East St. Louis in a basement apartment the day he died, because it came on the television, mm-hmm. I'll never forget it, but I didn't know who he was, but... Believe it or not, that same day I knew who Bob Marley was because he wrote a song. He wrote, there was a guy named Johnny Nash that had a song called, <laughs> it was this, was this? And I was thinking, up? I can see clearly now. Who was this? Yes, that's like, that, you're right. Quest, you're right. He yeah. had he had the, that song was out way back then, but that's who wrote that. Right. And, wow. and so, and it came out the time there was, a, I just remember this one song because I used to, they used to just make me have, didn't like the song, but it was called I Was a Girl Watcher. I'm a girl watcher. Exactly. Every day. Every, yeah. It, they see, remixed it. Watching the, girls go I know, by. I know, I know I'm, I'm a, a wheel, wheel watching, watching. Wheel yeah. of Fortune commercial. Yeah, I'm a wheel watcher. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm a wheel watcher every day. I didn't know the real version until later, but I knew from yeah. a good Wheel of Fortune commercial. I didn't know the real version until just now. <laughs> Me either. Thank you, Jeff. So, yeah, I used to, I, you know, I did, that's for some reason, you know, certain things in your, like, you know, the day, you know, Kennedy was this and the same thing. Wait, and, since we're in a rabbit hole, a side note. Uh, Run did one solo joint that never quite made it in 1983. It was like Run and and Papa Papa Ron Large or something, oh God. and they covered I'm a Girl Watcher. Oh wow! But uh. Def Jam never released it. Good. It was like ah. Run solo Run solo joint. Anyway, so uh, good. <laughs> no, that's just I was just saying how certain things become a snapshot in your life because you they're connected with music. It's mm-hmm. like the day Martin Luther King was assassinated. I remember it because one of the songs I love was, uh, Kat just recently passed away that I absolutely love, uh, Hugh Mascala, mm-hmm. uh, Grazing in the Grass. Right. And okay. so I was a young kid in uh, East St. Louis and being fortunate enough at that time, I, I met Martin Luther King as a little kid, you know, Malcolm X. You I'm know, sorry. I'm going to need you not to pass by these moments and I'm going to need you to kind of tell <laughs> no, us how it's you just, met I'm these telling men. you, when I elaborate on everything, it, it, I believe you. Don't worry it's about just it. Like, but it's like those times, the times that you grew up in and, and you got to remember Malcolm X wasn't like the Malcolm X that people know. He went, he flew, you know, they he would be the guy that would come in and open the other mosque. Okay. And so growing up um, in the Nation of Islam, so uh, through my mother, so I. I wait a minute! Wait, you wait a wait, minute! Wait, wait. Yeah, so I got to. I got to. Get it, Amir. I'm know, tagging you. Tag. I got to experience mm-hmm. all of that. Seriously, 
Yeah, that's the only reason why I'm like always was kind of really corny and not into drugs or drinking and all that shit. Because of the nation of Islam. No, because I was just raised to raised not by his mom. Do uh. that way. Raised by a whole bunch of women. My mom, her sisters. Oh my god. Wait, so your mom was in the nation, but your but your dad wasn't? They were they were not married then. Okay. They were like she disappeared with all of us and uh, it's a whole nother <laughs> you gonna say that for the book you, I, I see yeah. what you're doing right no 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 now. it's okay. just it's just like would go on and be probably everybody <laughs> no <laughs> no, <laughs> no like <laughs> this is a true music nerd haven trust me but it's like oh. but it's like uh, the all the moments that you live and because one of the things that when Quincy talked about we would go to school in South uh, Chicago and coming home, going to school and coming home was like a life and death experience every day. That's how East St. Louis was. How did you escape that though? Like, did you have like I'm gonna get my cousin to fuck you up? No, or? no. I, I was. I have no idea because I because let me tell you how crazy it is now. It's like uh, it's like my youngest child is 14 and and I can't imagine her walking from here to you know three or four or five blocks where I'm I'm nine. And I was, you ever see those uh, shows when the kids go, extra, extra, read out about mm-hmm. with me and a kid that lived upstairs from us in this apartment. His name was Herman. Uh, he passed away as a child. He got hit by a car, uh, unfortunately. But he was a, he had a gig selling this newspaper called the Bi-State Defender. So I was so a hustler at such a young age. So I was nine and I had to lie and tell the guy I was 10. And so we would go after school and we would get a whole stack of papers. He would get a whole stack of papers. Let me tell you how crazy this is. You can't imagine doing this with your kid or allowing your kid to do this. But where I lived in East St. Louis, we would walk across the bridge to St. Louis. When you walk across the bridge, you're in St. Louis, Missouri now. Mm-hmm. So we would walk across the bridge. Me and Herman, he was 10, I was 9. We would get these stack of papers. They were 20 cents a piece. We'd have to turn in a dime and then we kept a dime. So we'd walk across the bridge. At the end of the bridge, you... When you got across the bridge, you'd make a um, right. And uh, on one side was the Continental Trailways bus station. Other side was the farmer's market. So we'd be, this is in, at night. And we're walking down there, bus state defender, bus, and we would sell every one of those papers, walk across the bridge. The next day, give the guy his, his half of the tent. Then we get another stack. We would do that every day. Imagine your kid, yeah. allowing your kid to How do it. But it was like, you know, helping, huh? How late would you guys be out there? Till them papers were gone. And y'all was mad late. Like, the paper come out in the morning. Y'all selling at night? <laughs> no, the Bi-State Defender was like some weird paper that just kind of told about murders and oh. killings. and Because at that time, St. Louis, I think St. Louis, Missouri, was the murder capital of the state. Ain't changed much. And, it, and, it, and that neighborhood that was the murder capital was where the Spinks brothers came from. Oh yeah, because you they were all just, them cowboy hats. Yeah, it was like <laughs> you, you didn't go in that. It was the projects over there, and and you would walk past this store that was called Famous Bar Sticks mm-hmm. and Fuller, and all of some store like that it was really like the big thing. You got two blocks past that man. It was like the White House back in the days. You remember you walked past the mm-hmm. White House for about two blocks, and it was like, oh, what's going on? What happened? Mm-hmm. Oh, DC, yeah, East yeah, yeah, St. Louis, so a lot of cities were like that. Were there any notable? Uh, peers or people that we would know all today day long because if you guys go look at the history of Chuck Berry and all of them so East St. Louis downtown East St. Louis there was a club and I, I just don't know how I did I ain't dead or whatever but I was a kid 
I was a little kid. wasn't old enough, but I was so crazy with music already. This club, Chuck Berry would play it. And the club had a back door. You would open the back door. I remember hearing stories like Elvis used to do this when he was a, uh, you know, a kid. He was a little kid. He would do the go look in the window at the, you know, at the juke joints, and they would let him do that. And it was a white kid. And he's like, I actually did that. I would, this club, you would open the back door, and you could see straight through the club to the stage. And I would see Chuck Berry play. I would see the, I would just sit there and be like, and so I was really fortunate in a sense that I knew what I was going to do. And then what changed it, Parliament Funkadelic played at um, Eastside High School. And then whenever I would tell George, I was telling George this during the Graffiti Bridge Mm -hmm. filming. And he was like, oh, you're showing your age. I said, no, bro, I wasn't, I wasn't even, and I wasn't in high school. I said, it took three buses to get to that area. And I said, I was so young and so little that when the, guy opened the door he was like who's with you at the, you know at the school mm-hmm. and he let me come in so i'm sitting in the bleachers watching them rehearse sound check and everything and it was i knew from that moment what i was gonna do because michael hampton walked in they, it was back in the 70s where there was these patch of jeans mm-hmm. and michael hampton walked in and he had a pig nose amp on each side and they had they all had sombreros hanging off their back like real mexicans and it was like and it was the only time i've seen during the sound check, George Clinton played a black Les Paul. He played guitar. And this is the real... So this was Funkadelic, Funkadelic. And you talk to George. George's memory is frightening. Like, George mm-hmm. remembers any and eight. Him and Bootsy, both. Yeah. George yeah. is mind-blowing with that. Like, George talked to me about three years ago, and, oh, I haven't seen you since the blah, blah, blah. And he was dead. Wow. And, the, and it was the last time he saw me was at Paisley. Mm. He's filming graffiti. You know, it's just mind blowing. But that show, I remembered it because I'm, dude, I'm a little kid. I'm like, and I took like two it, the transfer things to get there. And so I, to this day, I try to remember how I got home because I'm a little kid and just walking from that school back to where the bus just just like sick with it as far as and music. Your goes. mama was like, "Where you been?" What is no, it? I was actually living with some other people. Okay, then. All I right. had already just like uh, in the books ran away. <laughs> it was like a foster kid at that point in time. I Another like, recurring theme on the yeah. show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, what's up? This is Fonte Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Schmurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR. 
wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So how did you wind up in Minneapolis? Well, I was uh, in, in Rock Island. Rock Island is a really very, very, very small town. And at the end of the bridge there's this bridge that it takes you from you're in rock island illinois when you go across the bridge you're in davenport iowa well right at the foot of that bridge there's a um you can see it online because it's no longer there now but it was called the yankee clipper it was a hardcore biker bar i mean if you went in there black you died (laughs) that's not funny you i'm I'm not i'm serious the the band the the you can look it up the motorcycle group was called the grim reapers Seriously, seriously. <laughs> like Sunday, like, yeah, no, seriously. You, you, and he, and even worse, you had a chance. You had a better chance. Like I learned something about cats that were hardcore like that. Like I went in there and I survived because I, I went in there and cranked them out. And the guy who place I took in his band, the band was called Dealer. And mm-hmm. the guy who place I took, he was like an actual dealer, and he just got tired of playing. So I took his. <laughs> I he love this. Gave the job to me, and then. And the band was all all white band, and uh, the club was like it was like it used to be at one point a strip show. So you had a, the stage was like this. It went whoop, and then it came out in a little U like that because it was a strip joint, mm-hmm. and it was a long stage like that. And then a bar ran, and I and when the singer, one of the guys in the band was gay, and I never got any flat because I played my butt off. You mm-hmm. know, I went in there and just pop, 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 popped it harder than it ever. You know, I heard somebody kick guitar like that, and and um. Uh, when he would come up to sing, they would pelt him with so much stuff. And I was like, damn. So this is like the Blues Brothers where you just, the, the chicken Yeah, yeah but, uh, but what I discovered at that young age is like, you can be white, but if you're gay, they will hate you more than they hate me. Yeah, they don't, they never, because they love me because I went in there and really. So does this mean that you would have to go zero to 100 and automatically show your shred skills to let you, let them know? It it something happens to you because you you in your mind know that it's a it's 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 hard to explain. It's like something in your mind knows that it's like sink or swim, Mm -hmm. and so you just dive right in swimming, and you don't know how to swim, but you're swimming. You know, you're swimming. So at the end of that bridge, the town is so small. At the end of that bridge, take the Yankee Clipper across the street, down uh, across the street at the end of the Sheraton, the only big hotel. You know, it was like the Taj Mahal in this little town. So. Mm Across the bridge, 
you take a right now. Are you ever heard of the RKO Orpheum? That's it right there. Because you got to what y'all got to remember. Iowa is the rock and roll belt of the United States. That's why the monsters of rock, all of that stuff. Iowa, 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 Iowa. That's why my cousin always gets jealous because I've seen everybody growing up. Because that's where all the I the con the, like Van Halen first Van Halen album. I saw them when they had the exact clothes that are on the cover. Everything I saw all of that Atlanta rhythm section, the Doobies when they had the taking it to the streets right. album, Atlanta rhythm section. I saw everybody, the Cars, the Thin Lizzy. I saw them all. And what what would happen is a lot of big bands like Rush let us come in one time and watch them rehearse because they would come to the RKO Orpheum and a lot of bands would rent that and rehearse there for a month. Like Rush rehearsed there for a month. And so you need to come in and because, you know, you when you're in the audience, that's when I kind of first got the, you know, you're in the audience. Everything looks like shiny. And then you get up there and the dude's amps are all nicked and they wasn't as tall as you, you know, right, as it you was imagine. my first time. Yeah. Getting to that. But so you seen that Iowa was like mostly a starting point, sort of like Michael Jackson starting off in Kansas City or something like you're saying yeah. that Iowa was just a starting point but it for was, most rock shows. Yeah. It, a lot of people, you'd be surprised. And then and then if you turned if you went across the Centennial Bridge, right at that same, you could turn left as RKO from you turn this way to Call Ballroom. The Call Ballroom is where Zeppelin flew in from Minneapolis. That's where Jimmy Page's Black Beauty got stolen. And then the Sunburst Les Paul that you've seen him play forever, that's where he bought it from Joe Walsh was at the Call Ballroom. So it's like if you go look at the and then they just released the Hendrix at the Call Ballroom and a guy that of course was older that was there, his name is Jerry Wetzel. He told me everything that happened, and, and that was a thousand years ago in the 70s. He told me that, like, 78, 79, I was a kid, and the music started listening to the stories. Everything he told me, they just released it last year, late last year, the Hendrix at the Call Ballroom. Wow. Everything he told me was, he said he came, because the Call Ballroom doesn't have a backstage, and it's a stage, the stage is covered, it cut into a U, so you can stand at one end of the stage and go, class, and it's like I'm right next to you. It's like, you know, back right. then they built halls for real music right and so everything he told me he said Hendrix went he came on stage he caught walked through the audience with the police because there's no backstage so you have to come through the audience and I played there when my first album was out so mm -hmm. I was like oh, you can't tell me <laughs> <laughs> so he said he came up and he was like you know then he went he said oh you're experiencing it and he said when he started playing he said I don't know what happened but I got was like completely out of it I got but i i was just able to see a lot of like that and what ended up happening every band that even at the the big iowa jams and the credit credit island concerts with all the men they stayed at that they would come across the bridge stay at that sheridan and they would come to the yankee clipper and i would jam with all of them Molly Hatchet, everybody. I jam and they all said the same thing to me and i knew that's when i had to get my ass out of there and they would all what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And so I didn't have money, you know, because when you're a Midwest kid, you think you got to go to Hollywood, got to go. <laughs> and I had money to do that. So I, I, they saved up money for me to, I got <laughs> to get a bus to, and as far as I could go was Minneapolis. Minneapolis. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how I ended up there. And you so, go far, kid. But nothing was there. You Minneapolis. just were like, that's as far as I can go. It was in a yeah, club that you like wanted I, to do. I just knew I needed to be somewhere. Wow. And I knew nothing about many. I didn't know, and as a matter of fact, when I met Prince, I did. Everybody, I just knew he walked in the room and he was like, "Hey, da 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 da," 
And everybody changed. You know, the dude, six, eight, was like, hey, four, was like, hey, what's up? <laughs> and then Prince so walked in and everybody changed. And I was like, dude must be. And then the funniest thing about why he even came over, because he was buying a, I had a little color TV. Mm-hmm. And you know, the first VCRs, they were like, <laughs> the size of, mm-hmm. he came over to buy that from me for $300. And he had invited me through Morris because the band that I joined Morris Day was the drummer in Enterprise. Enterprise. So I never played a show with him because he inv- he invited me to First Avenue. So I'm like, you know, I don't know anybody and shit. So I'm like outside the club and this girl just was just drop dead gorgeous, pulled me. I must have looked lost and she just yanked me in. I'd never forget her. Sandy, she's so beautiful. She yanked me in the thing and it's like, you just look, you know, just like, I must look lost. I must look like a tourist or something. And then I go in and I watch Prince shows. I, it's the Dirty Mind. He's getting ready to leave for the Dirty Mind tour. And Morris. So this is 80. 81. Okay. This is the April 81. Okay. So okay. he, so I, I, he invites me to the show through Morris. And I've never met him yet or nothing. And so uh, Morris said, he, he, he got your ticket. I go down to First Avenue, you know see the show and I watch and I was like this shit's amazing da, da, da. and what Morris was doing Morris was a dude at the video at the soundboard videotaping all the shows okay and I didn't know at the time that they had this whole thing going where you know he had these he'd made some deal with Morris over the party up song and so the next day Prince is coming over to buy this thing and this is 81 so it's $300 I'm at the Y so that's like 3 million dollars mm-hmm. <laughs> you know <laughs> so he comes over and it was the only is the last time I ever saw him with jeans on, because he was like you know it was the whole kind of punk thing. He had mm-hmm. the jeans on, the thing that Quest has on the Rude Boy, boy yeah. button and, and all that, and um this exact one. Yeah, exactly. Oh, is that that's, no seriously that yeah. came from the, the auction. Dog, I get uh, yeah. Jamie, I gave up. I set all that stuff up. I gave Did up. You know like, that? No. Yes. <laughs> no, you don't understand it, D. You haven't talked to D, right? No. Okay, well, I'll talk to you after the show. You gotta. You don't understand what's getting ready to happen. No, I, I gotta. I gotta show you something. You, you're gonna lose your mind. Like, am I gonna there. lose another house? No, you. you this I is put, gonna I put really. At least, this, I put at least five figures. Just no, I'm gonna give you an inside thing so that you'll know what to grab when Ooh. this. I'm just. I'm gonna Ooh. take you to something. Yo, get I, that VCR, man. <laughs> <laughs> I want that board. <laughs> no, this is. I just spent twenty because Jamie. Shoop is a very, very dear friend of yeah. mine. And I've always been, she's always been an absolutely dear person to me because she was, you never forget people that were nice mm-hmm. and generous and looked out for you when they didn't have to. Have and to. you wasn't nothing, on, you wasn't anything on the bottom of the shoe. And she was that way to me, taught me. I mean, I every time I go check in at the airport, is the, she's the reason to know how to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I went up to the, and when I was telling my cousin, I went up to the gate in, LA yesterday and I said oh can you I got in line and the girl said can you just check my um, boarding pass to make sure I'm okay and she said why wouldn't you be and, da, 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 da. and I was like and I'm thinking to myself man, I can fuck up anything I've been at the airport at the gate and missed the flight because I just <laughs> oh, you such an artist I, no I just don't I just don't I don't be paying attention to anything. Because you ain't have to. That's so I, And so I, I was just went up to the thing and showed her. And now I'm going to tell you how, how stupid it gets. I went up to the thing and showed her the thing. And she goes, why wouldn't you be okay? Yeah, you're fine. Why wouldn't you be okay? You know, pretty pretty sister. You yeah. know, she's like, why wouldn't you be okay? 
And I was like, I, was, you know, I, I didn't say that, but I'm thinking, I said, because I, I actually did say, because I can mess up anything. And she said, no, baby, you're good, you're good, you're good. But when I went and sat down, I tell you about that. I couldn't find my boarding pass. <laughs> and I, it was like my the coat had an inside pocket, and I had put it in there and thought I. I'm like asking, have you seen a board? That's how I'm what telling you. Are you an Aquarius? You're also, yeah, uh, no, I'm a Gemini. Hey, hey, hey. oh, oh. I'm, I'm an Aquarius? Oh, come on, man. I'm, I'm just okay, saying that. I'm I'm familiar. You sound like a mirror right now. Yeah, I'm a so Jew. <laughs> you sound like I me. can just, you just don't be thinking. You'd be thinking about, I don't know what I'd be thinking about. But I made, <laughs> I already knew early in life, I made a point that I would be good at a whole bunch of stuff, but I knew I would be great at one thing. So I guess what, how And this life has allotted you the time that you don't have to know these things. This is great. This for the great. most part, thank yeah. God, I have a lot. I mean, what I've accomplished, I never, it has never been a part of my dreams. I just wanted to be around the corner playing guitar at some pub or something. So what I've accomplished, you have no idea. Yeah, I was going to say one. have no idea. I've were there any other, of, into the, any of that. Were there any other uh, black people in, in your Midwest, before you got to Minnesota? Um, no. That had the same? <laughs> no. No, because that None was the whole them. thing. That that's why I ended up playing at that biker bar with the white cats because all the brothers that I knew that were the top cats they had jobs because they wanted to have they had Lincolns and Cadillacs and it was mm-hmm. like and I would they would give me whenever they come and pick me up for the gig they get a job get you a car and I was like. You know that wasn't my thing, and so I wanted you would to just play walk with your amp and your, your no, ex. no. I would yeah, worse than where I get a taxi. No, they would uh-huh. pick me up, but they would gripe about picking me up. But but the thing was that I they worked at a, I mean that they made more money and they worked at they worked a straight. So the music thing was kind of a hobby. Okay. Where to me, I wanted it to be six nights a week, and then you know at the time, unfortunately, at that time, it was like White Cats was the ones. It was like. Yeah. They they were working. Yo, not for five, nothing. Five, six, seven nights a week, and I'm like, oh, I gotta go mess with these motherfuckers because these brothers wanted to have Lincolns, and none of the white cats though had Lincolns or Cadillacs or yeah. <laughs> big shit. They just loves like me. Hey, hey, we're making ten and eighty one. I think I had a ten thousand dollar year. You couldn't tell me I wasn't rich. Wow. With you your, your journey, it sounds kind of like we had uh, Michael McDonald here, too, who is also from mm-hmm. St. Louis. And it's just interesting because you mentioned the Doobie Brothers in Iowa. So I was like, damn, that's, y'all had parallel journeys going on. And then y'all, did y'all ever cross paths in that no, stage? No, he, he had just, uh, I think, taken it to the streets was a, his first Doobies record, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, because the other cat who really founded the Doobies with that, Tom Johnston, he quit yeah. because mm-hmm. he didn't like where it was going with the Michael McDonald stuff. So no, I never, I never met him because I like the other Doobie, you know, the Doobie Brothers, the old Black the original, Water and yeah. all that shit, and that that um, I don't know, bootleg, whatever Run, that was. Yeah. That's as much as I'm gonna play. So you have to, <laughs> <laughs> no clearance. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned that you were but in. Enterprise. I gotta just say this to you. Oh, yes. I was when I went when Prince came over. This is how this is how our relationship was founded. For this is why we, this is why I lived with them and we were the cool up until I left Mm -hmm. because he came over to pick up that thing and he sat down and, and everybody changed and stuff. All of the hardest brothers, why you big, you know, Mm -hmm. we stole that from another bass player named Jeff McGrave, but he was the one, why you big streets of San Francisco knows having, you know, Mm -hmm. that's where we got all that. Why you, well, Tricky. even he changed when Prince walked in. Everybody, was like, hey, Prince, what's going on? You know, and, and I'm talking about King's so English. He came and sat out. He sat out. He had a black leather jacket on. It was like I said, his last time, first and only time I ever seen him with jeans on. After that, he's been decked ever since. He never had. But he, 
I sat across from him, probably where that is, and I said, hey, man, I saw your show. No, he said, I, I said, hey, man, I'm Jesse. And he said, I, I, I am Prince. And I was like, whoa, man, because I can't even do it as monotone. <laughs> yeah. You would never think he could sing his ass off because he spoke. It was one note. Hey, how you doing? I can't even do it. Yeah, you doing? It was just so low and he had no so, inflection. And in yes, and run. and I just freaked out and I said, "Man, I thought you was gonna go." Hi, my name is Prince, <laughs> and he just kind of started laughing a little bit. And Morris is standing more. The only person that really remembers is Morris is, is standing where Prince is sitting. Morris is standing right here. Morris Day. Mm-hmm. That's who I know. I don't. I don't know who Prince is or nothing about him or anything. So I just knew he must have been somebody. He must have been like I saw the show the night before, but I still didn't know anything about because you know how segregated the rock and roll. So music. none of his hits, none of his radio. I don't. Not- yeah, none of black. Uh, rock Island has no black radio. Okay, zero, zilch. That's why I knew the Doobies and all, Zeppelin and everything else like that because there's no black radio. So. When he hit, you know, it was right towards the disco. So I was fortunate enough to miss that whole disco era because I was a rock and roll thing. So he, I said, yeah, man, I saw your show. I said, thanks for inviting me to your show. I saw your show. It was really cool, man. I really dug it. I said, you really dig Hendrix, huh? And he, I never watch him. And I stood up. I was like, you lying. <laughs> I swear to God. I said, you lying, motherfucker. Motherfucker, you did every move. And Morris is standing behind him going, And Prince looked at me and he fell on the floor crying. He fell on the floor just laughing his ass off. And that was like how our relationship was. We was never no, you know, that's why when you would see me out in L.A., during that whole, you would always see both of us together all the time. Because I didn't have that, oh, man, you know, because we'd walk in the club and chicks would... Be all on him and shit, and I just go hang over here for a minute till he's cool, and then we just hang out. And he's like, "Man, you know when I walk in the club with boop, other people, I won't say that name." He said, "They wouldn't come near me the rest of the night." I said, "Motherfucker, you're Prince. I ain't nobody." You know, I was never tripping like that because I remember after the 1999 tour being so broke, but I never equated his wealth or shit with what I should be making because I mm-hmm. knew that I'm broke I'm in the time I'm, I got gold platinum I'm broke as a motherfucker I ain't even pay attention I'm so broke but I knew that that was his shit you dig what I'm saying like a lot of people don't realize that like somebody just I saw somebody on Twitter and I couldn't bring myself to just break their heart but they said oh man I don't know what the question was because I don't really know how that shit works but mm-hmm. I just see that reply and he said oh my favorite without a doubt seven seven you know, Jelly Bean on drums, drums. Terry on bass, yeah, Jesse on... And I just go like, I can't do it. And it's like, dude, that's that's all Prince, I hate to tell you. And, and David Garibaldi on the program right. that shit in for... Right. But, you know, you just... You know, I just got... I can't ruin nobody's dream. Let him go be thinking that. But that's what I mean. It was all his mm. stuff. So, But I knew that... I knew within myself I had talent. Cause I'm a ho- I'm horrible when it comes to learning songs off of records and shit. Like mm-hmm. the when you when I met you for the first time and with D's thing in 2012, I was oh, like, yeah. and I was telling D, dude, never played any music before. That I didn't have a hand in, you know, creating and creating. This is just crazy. And plus, you know, D, the biggest thing. Well, for you, it probably is normal, but that is D's timing. 
And he would tell me the hours that you and him, that you and Pino would argue him and go, that ain't the one. Mm-hmm. And he and y'all, he was telling me, he said, Amir, and Pino would be like, motherfucker, that ain't the one. That ain't the one. But you know how his one, now his one is now a two or a three or something. His one's like up. a pickup. Like yes. A four if, you, and- if you ain't, if you, <laughs> like, if you playing lady or something uh-huh. and you daydream for half a second, you got to stop. And because his, his whole, that's what's beautiful about his music, though, because it's like, uh, it's the same thing with Prince. Like, a lot of people always see him trying to figure out what Prince did on the keyboards. And what they don't know is you ain't never figured that shit because he took some Overheim, a pedal board, and until anything. Figure out. And he just wants something that he never, it, it's crazy. It was no rules to how he how he did anything you know he 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 had a little bit of theory behind him but it was all guttural it was all instinct it mm-hmm. was just like you know and that we related really and, and intellectually we related to a great deal of stuff because the dude was like so smart you know iq wise he was really really smart dude but i learned records how to make records i had never been in a studio till i met him so i learned how to make a record like how chris moon taught him mm-hmm. that's how he i, I learned yeah were you there at the infamous uh perkins restaurant uh <laughs> dinner I, I hate to break it to you my man it wasn't perkins I, i'm gonna take you back I'm gonna tell me story. sam bowles Y'all don't Wait, remember what? Sam Bowles? That's a real name of a restaurant. get in there and get you a Sam Bowles burger. No, no, that's not. No, no, that's Am not. I? Yes, yes, it was called. Yeah, we had, yeah. Minneapolis had the last standing Sam Bowles on Lake Street. <laughs> that shit wasn't no Perkins. That was at Sam Bowles on Lake Street. And I remember Morris and I rode motorcycles and shit together. So that Morris was going to the meeting with, because the way the time actually came together was nothing like all this stuff that people make up and say, and wasn't anything like that. The time was Morris Day and I, if you see the acetate, which I own today, mm-hmm. it says the nerve. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, and yeah, it's I just Morris that. and I, and what we were, we were going to be the Black Hall and Oats. So it's the album that y'all know, we'd get it up, cool, all of that, but it was just Morris and I. It's going to be called the Nerve. It, it it was the Nerve. Damn. And so when Prince went to that was a better name. Use the name, but it was owned by Fuck. some people. Okay. But 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 dig this though. Catch this though. The time was owned forever until nineteen. I he didn't buy the name until ninety seven. He leased the name. Wow. It was owned by a, uh, two white cats in North Carolina somewhere. They owned it all those years, oh, and he we were, he was just leasing it. Really? Yeah. And then he bought the rights. When I knew the rights was up, I'm, I was on the phone with Terry. That's why I remembered I had just moved to Ahwatukee, Arizona from Minneapolis. And I remember being on the phone with Terry. It was like 97 because I just dropped that Bear My Neck and Soul thing. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, man, just buy it. Just buy that. You know, it's just, and he, and then Prince bought it. Damn. Exactly. So. <laughs> He, but it was like He's we didn't funny. own them. But but then that all the flight time thing and all that stuff, how people try to tell it didn't come together like that. It was just at the last minute because Prince was on the Dirty Mind tour, and so Morris when he left, he had a you know a little afro and jeans. Mm-hmm. I never saw him look like that again. When he came back, he was a totally different cat. Oh, he so had, he was afro, not feathered. No, he came back from the Dirty Mind tour and the album that you know was they had that album the 
Okay. The first album was called The Time, but it was called The Nerve. But when he came back, and he and Prince would call me, and so this girl that I lived with at the time, um, she they would answer the phone. You know, I, I was standing at her crib. She would answer the phone, and it's Prince, Jesse there. And they would, her and her friends would freak. They'd be like, <laughs> oh, my God, it's fucking Prince is on the phone. And they would go, who? And her friends would go, who is he? And she would always, and this is a true, honestly, got story, stack of Bibles. She would go, what did you come here for? I said, because I'm going to be famous. She would laugh so hard. <laughs> oh, my God, she'd fall on the floor crying. And that should have been a sign. I didn't pay attention to it. <laughs> All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day savings event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Story short, but yeah, he would call and say, stay there, stay there, stay in Minneapolis, stay in Minneapolis, stay, don't leave, don't leave, we're going to get you a car. What were you eyeing next? Like, if I you... was just going to, I was just in the, the fucking starving to death in Minneapolis because we would play a weekend, Miss Sue Ann talk about this, so we'd play a weekend and make $35. You remember them days you make, th- mm-hmm. you in heaven. It was like we would go to White and White Castle was like in, <laughs> in like LA, like there was a time in LA that I'd be at the studio and then you see the white castle here and you would see a perp, uh, pink Bentley. So it'd be Paris Hilton would be in line. Mm. It was like that kind of how in and out burger, but white castle was that back in the day on Lake street. So we, after the clubs closed, Prince, everybody was in that shit. It was like that because it was the Whoa. joint. It was like the joint. So we were all 
You know, it was a junk. So $35 was like, get some White Castle. You know, you can take about five and get about 30 Hell White yeah. Castle. Yeah, some change. <laughs> exactly. So he would call and say, don't, don't leave. Stay there. You know, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And we're going to do this. And we're going to, I said, man, I have a car. We're going to get you a car, which he never did. But, mm -hmm. but if, in a way, they... Later on, it did, but it didn't have no air in it, so fuck. <laughs> what? <laughs> but I had a great stereo. I, I think I told that story online about the Jungle Love song. I would play him songs, and he would laugh. Oh, my God. <laughs> go, Morris, you got to hear this. And, he, and Morris and Jimmy Jam are the only two people I know. When they cry, they tears start. They, they, they literally are crying. And he kept doing that, but most people... You know, I'd be like, oh, man, ain't playing nothing. But I didn't. I just kept playing songs for him till one day, I, I, it was after acting class, before we started preparing. I said, hey, man, I want to play you something. So he, I want to go listen to it in his car because he got air. Mm -hmm. It's a summer day. My car had no air, 180 degrees. He go, But I had the stereo over everybody. I had the bumping shit over it. So he's listening to it in your car. And I was trying to give him the cassette. So he could listen to it later. And it was right after acting class. And he right. just caught me. He goes, oh, cool. Let's just listen to it now. And I'm like, oh, shit. You know, this motherfucker been laughing at my shit. So I, it was the jungle up. Right. You know, exactly as you know it. But, I've heard the demo. But then, yeah, I put it on the thing. Yeah. Uh, the OEL. Because I get sick of motherfuckers telling me. <laughs> Your boy said that in Billboard. Who? Nelson George. So when I met uh. him the first time here in New York on the island, it was a press release party for my first record and he was and his name was on a card and i was looking this way and the girl was i wit was wit said ain't that the guy in billboard that no. said this and Nelson that be what did he say no, but you know what i said to him this is honest to god too i said yo man hey brother do you really think you're gonna sit here on my shit and he made him leave wow can you just tell me what, what was said in the article? He said uh, it was really it was really disrespectful. He said I didn't probably didn't write shit, and the prince just probably put my name on it for the blah 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 blah. And you just don't say that unless you talk to the people, because you back in the day, he had an article in Billboard and had a little picture of him. Yeah, but I didn't little blurbs really remember it. Like I mean, I remember reading the article, but the girl remembered the face, mm -hmm. and I was like, just I was remember it was a someplace here. In, and it was like a a really popular Chinese place because they had brought squab, which I didn't know was pigeon. Mr. Charles. No, no, no. It was it was before that. Oh. Yeah, it was in the eighties. Yeah, Nelson, but he wasn't Nelson looked like um, on Twenty One Jump Street, and also a blue, Blues <laughs> Brothers. But I, I did Blues Brothers. Know, what was the sergeant's name yeah, in Twenty One Jump Street? I can't remember his name. I was just yeah. telling Deanna today. I was like, Deanna, you know me. I was always a never industry cat, but an industries cat. And I said, so I didn't. Because Prince wasn't even that dude, though, right? Like, he wasn't, I mean, not, not for nothing. I ain't going to say not that nice, but he wasn't the one that just throw somebody's name on a song that they had nothing to do with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was he? Yeah, no, he did that yeah, shit. Did so that. he wasn't yeah. nice? Okay. No, he, no he, it he wasn't was, a nice thing. It was like, it wasn't on there on the publishing shit. Oh, might be okay. Shit on he, record. he didn't yeah. want it to make it seem like he did everything. everything. Yeah. But my, I don't even think Jungle Love said my name on the record, though. It. I think it did. It did. It did. No, you know why? Because even did, I thought. No, I'm gonna blow y'all away. I'm gonna blow. I got a piece of something y'all ain't never seen. I have. You know, back in the day when you would do a record, they do all the artwork for y'all. I mean, you know, you, mm -hmm. you you know, Mir. They then they send you the record, and you have to look at the and look at all the writing. Well, I have that in the very first the the Ice Cream Castle album. I'm 
produced by Jamie Starr, co-produced by Jesse Johnson. And the same thing with if you got the first pressing of the Sheila E. record, right. the first Sheila E. record. Strawberry Strawcake. Exactly. And now, and then after oh, the... Oh, now then, it's no, not there? No, it came, off, it came out years ago. It came off years ago because he was... Prince was vindictive when you left him. And, and it was real bullshit because I stayed... You know, I mean, I, I was just telling Ingrid today when I left, uh, after finishing Purple Rain and all that, I think my check was like $330. I wasn't making no. And See, I got, this is my question. And I got kids. So, so, I, I got, so you, so as far as dedication and all that. Plus yeah. so wait, said, wait, 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 wait. Hang on. Yes, $339, bro. Wait, am I sitting in the room with Ingrid Chavez and don't yes! know it? Yes! She gave you half of your cheesecake. You said no. She cut the cheesecake in little pieces. We sat here. We talked about the three kids. Like, we, we, put, the mic, we put the whole chair there so if she feel it like talking, she can talk. with, hi, I'm Ingrid Chavez. You said Ingrid. Yeah, and Ingrid. I was like, wait a minute. Wow. And I put my glasses on like... <laughs> she, well, I think that was one of the hey, things Ingrid that she Chavez, was so... so nice to she was meet you and, She's an hour about- into this interview, not knowing that you've been sitting <laughs> in the room Ingrid, Ingrid. at the same freaking time. And hello, how are you? Yeah, I could. I can't touch the cheesecake because I've been sugar free for thirty six days. There you go. It came all the way from Minneapolis for you today. Oh, that's right. And you ain't so I have to break it just to yes, <laughs> or I'll eat your piece of cake. I just want to say I'm it. Aquarius as well. So, oh so you knew what God. I was saying. We're kind of all over yeah. the place sometimes. I are you, just make sure. Are you a what? February Aquarius? Wait, this I'm is a January. Aquarius. Yes, yes, girl. <laughs> wow. Twentieth. Twenty first. We're all together. Yes, we're in the 20s. Oh, we're in the 20s. Wait, this is freaking me out because I didn't know that was Ingrid Chavez. Yes, that's <laughs> Hi, Ingrid. Ingrid Chavez. Hi, Ingrid. That's why I was like, on this, I met her on the set of... Uh, Graffiti Bridge? I yeah, was I said waiting I, for this I, I said I would never be it. there. I would never go. I never went to Paisley. I said I'd never go there. Never go there until I'm paid to be in it. I'm like, and so I got paid <laughs> for a week at Graffiti Bridge and I, I barely made it three days and we got into it. And then and I had to leave. Wait, I the, all the shooting was just three days? No, I, yeah, my shooting, yeah, for whatever I'm in the movie was three days. Because I, it was a, it was like all this time went by from Purple Rain to now. And I hadn't seen, you know, like Prince would call me up with and play some, he was, a, I was telling my cousin they had a weird sense of humor. Like he called me up long after I was gone, I think my first album was about to drop or what I can't remember, but he called me. He said, I mentioned you in a song today, and I was like, you know, and he, and he would all and he was always like, he could call you and you and, and it, I and I'm like real, so I go, man, how you get this number? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, and he ignores, but he ignores that, and he, I mentioned in this song today, and I go, what are you talking about? Raspberry beret and click, click, click hangs up. So I go listen to the song, and I had moved the opposite of everybody so i'm in this area called blaine it was nothing out there but cows and shit me so old man johnson's farm exactly so and then the other one was i I mentioned i wrote a song about you and i was i didn't know what at the time i was living in paris and and i we would crisscross a lot and i was like i can't remember what you 89 maybe that was Mm -hmm. i wrote a song about you send me this tape bob george i'm like what the fuck is that thing (laughs) wait you know, the, Wait, there's yeah. a part of the song that niggas got a gun, da, 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 all right. that shit. He, that's his sense of humor. So I had to call it. Yeah, that's that's funny. But we would, there's things that we would Wait, laugh. Can you explain the reference of yeah. Bob? Like, how is that about you? How is that cop you or the the dude? Bystander? The dude when he goes, can we just dance or whatever? I don't, right. I don't know. But he, the, because his nickname for me, 
for a long period of time was here comes Jesse, I'm gonna kick Johnson. Cause you know, that was the time we was just some street dudes. And, right. we was like, and so whenever we would run into stuff and I would get the, I would get called a f- all the time. I'd be at a, we'd be at an in store signing right. and then some girl, you and I'd be like, bitch, get the fuck out of you ugly. You know, and I would just like, you know, was that 20, right. 20 year old, you don't, you don't, right. you know, you're just like, you're fighting. You don't yeah. care. Cause I come from East St. Louis where girls, right. girls kick your ass. It ain't like, it ain't like how it is. Nah, you were, I grew up going to school. This girl, you like me, don't you? This girl used to <laughs> sit behind me, Betty, and she, you're my boyfriend. And she was a twin. <laughs> That too. <laughs> she was a twin, and her brother, just to describe him, they looked just alike. And his nickname was Big Face. So I wasn't, I wasn't trying to fuck with. So I used to be terrified of this girl, but I'd seen girls just beat mama. And no. So, so. Oh, he was ready to battle. Okay. But it would, we'd be in an in store, you know, at a full in store. And then I'd sign the something. I didn't anyway. act funny or nothing, but I'd sign something, and this girl be like, you f. And I just immediately, I just. Bitch, you what the fuck? Who you think you t- you? I beat you and that nigga you with. And I, it would happen in hotels, and I, what, you know, because we would go up, come back from the show and go up to our room and get changed and shit, and come down the lobby, and for like the the 1999 tour, I could never meet anybody. You know who'd be on my arm? What? Vanity. Oh. And we were like best uh, friends, yeah. so she'd come down on my arm, like, because she was. Oh, she's the, a perfect wingman. No, she's no, a perfect, complete killer blocker. Right. Oh. And, because ain't nobody trying to battle ain't with her. Nobody, yeah, yeah. girls would come up to me. And go, oh. <laughs> you can have lawyer, you got and She wasn't, you know, we were like brother and sister. We right. were our relationship to the day she died. She was. We were super tight. It's like me and Jamie and all them are tight. And and she would, but the whole she had been all over the world and seen in places we had never been so when she came out on tour and was seeing this stuff for the first time she was like completely really enthusiastic and excited about it because she had she'd been you know modeling and been all over the place but she had never experienced adulation like that before and so when we we'd, we'd go in the lobby i we'd go up and get changed and then we get rid i try to sneak by torch Jesse, you're not going with you. <laughs> Never going to get laid. It's like, and she'd be on your arm, literally girls. And then she would point, you know how y'all do, women. Wait, y'all see mm-hmm. y'all see stuff we don't see. You'd be oh. like, oh, she's fine. Man, look at her nails. Look at her nails. You don't even see. You don't even care. You're you don't like, like that, Jesse. I'm trying yeah, to help you. That's what she, yeah. she would say stuff like, she's not even pretty. Territorial pissing. And it's like, what are you doing? You know, and so that, and, and I could never say to her, no, you know, because she was like, we guarded them. You know, her, Susan, we were like, their, I was like their big brother. Because uh, Susan, to this sure day, needed it. if you talk about Susan, talk to Susan Muncy, she'll tell you how how often her and Prince were together. And I was always with them. And she said, she remembers me looking at my watch at, hey, where do you got to go? I'm like, let's go home. You know, because <laughs> Minneapolis, you know, it's like 90 below. There's this much snow. So when you would go way out to Chanhassen where Prince lived, You'd pack a suitcase because you wasn't trying. I would. I had never lived in a city with freeways before, so Rock Island is that little. Mm-hmm. It's that small. So when I came to Minneapolis, like <laughs> driving, it was like you would see where you needed to be and you couldn't get to it. And I would. I would just. I'm telling you, honest to God, I was like scared shitless. It was like so 
big and intimidating for years to me. And now you live in LA. I can imagine. Like, yeah, but but now I got GPS that shit that <laughs> yeah, talks to say. you. Because I'd be daydreaming, you know, and, and that's where I listen to music in yeah. my car. And I'm and I, because I was telling Ingrid earlier, I've been all over the world with no cell phone. Ingrid, how you doing? <laughs> or or pager. You know, we used to tell now people can't even Oh, my phone battery's dying. You got to charge it. You know, I start panicking. <laughs> yeah. Where I'm like, I, my cousin slash manager is always mad at me because I'm always turning all my shit on. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, answer the phone. We, we went to um, this, uh, Minneapolis for the Super Bowl. And, I was and it's like, thank God for GPS because I was trying to figure out, I mean, even me driving all port, you know, I did the whole tour of Minneapolis mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Like, even with GPS, and security, like I still felt like I, I just try to imagine what was it to drive forty years ago, thirty years ago, and and if you're people, and if you're you know, he always seems like he's in thought, always thinking about music or something music related. And if you're a people watcher too, and Minneapolis is a really beautiful city, it's mm-hmm. like it's so clean. You go, oh my god, and 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 it's even most cities like go see the sky or whatever. But so when I uh, yeah, it it's I I'll kill somebody if I don't have GPS to just say, dude, turn right here. Yeah. And you, I don't know if y'all know Waze, but Waze yeah. lets you we put your it. own voice in it. Yeah, oh, it does. did you oh, know that? You must have to pay for I, that feature. I, I, no, no, they added that. So I mean, yeah. I go in there and I'll my shit. Fool, what are you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I purposely it's so excellent when people are riding with me. They motherfucker, you just missed. Did you turn this property, motherfucker? I got all of it. My daughter, my the fourteen year old, she is in the car dying, crying, because it's like, dude, really? I told you. <laughs> I put all my own Three shit ago. in there. But no, going back to what I we were doing um, Graffiti Bridge, and I met Ingrid the first time. I remember talking to because she have the she has this heaviness to her even even back then as a, a, a young lady she just had this heaviness to her like she her mind always looked like she was in thought mm. like she was some she i always took it like she really remember i always told you that my cousin i was like she always felt like she wasn't into none of i thought i was bad because i was just out there going this shit over with yeah but it was all that time passed and it was the same kind of thing was happening and so well, me, wait, if that easily bored you then how that with the rehearsals because i know that like you guys were one of the tightest but musical he, here's yeah. the i came up like that whole a uh, lot of all that stuff because i grew up with the james brown thing and all that so all of that when i was doing all that horn stuff and all we got mm-hmm. all of that stuff i was out of, all the horn parts i was coming up with a lot of those arrangements and a lot of the steps because i played guitar and so when somebody else would try to come up to sound, I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that shit because I can't sing and play, play and do all that too. dumb shit at the same time. So as a when you're playing and somebody, oh, I got this step, it's like, yeah, but you're not playing nothing. So I'm not even paying attention to that. So I would come up with a lot of choreography because I knew that it would be simple. Like if we were just doing this or something, a simple move like that. But if you got three cats doing it tight, it looks really it looks- cool. And if the whole stage is going, rah, rah, I knew that. So I would come up with a lot of the choreography. And like when we would do the chili sauce across the mm-hmm. stage, came with all that shit. And so we would do it around so that you could play. And then you work so hard on it at rehearsal because you would want it to be where you didn't think about nothing. Because to sing and play at the same time an instrument, 
there's a middle brain you got to find. So when people go, how do you do that? You, as you know, Amir, you can't think about one or the other. He don't be dancing. He but he be playing I drums. Do, and I make them dance. He be he be playing drums and singing and he be talking at the yes, same he time. Does. And so yeah. but he text tweet That's true. I do, sandwich that man. I saw him I at a session murdering and he was eating something. And I'm like <laughs> and he kept going. He was And he scats and he sings. Like you're right. And then he was doing then he would switch off and credit. And I was like that's a bad dude. But he knows that it's a middle brain. If you think about one or the other, you're gonna mess up. So it's yeah. a place when that I think you like go. Left, right, left, right. I, I mess up. Yeah, it's like you but you go to a place that doesn't exist. It's just like an inner, a blank space, and you can almost see yourself in front of you doing what you. But you know you. But if you think about singing, or if you think about playing, you're gonna mess up. Quincy yeah. Jones calls it the alpha state. Yeah, that's oh, it. where you just don't don't think about you it. Don't you don't think just about naturally it. do it. Oh, so we gonna get in a whole graffiti bridge chapter? Because I got well, questions. yeah, we we, need, we got a lot. No, to but okay. Ingrid, because Ingrid, Ingrid's sitting here, so I'm I, I'm, that's when I met Ingrid on the set, and I forget who introduced me to her, but I didn't. I just asked her today, did she ever live in Minneapolis? Because I didn't think she was from Minneapolis or even lived there. She said she lived there twelve years, but what? I would have never thought that. Wow. But she, her, her baby was like he wasn't that old. He was like what eight months, or was he older than that? Oh, he was older than that, yeah. But he, but I knew she had, and I just adore kids. So I, my kids were kids then at the point in time too. I think her son and my daughter, though Isabella, is around the same age. But I was talking about that. But she was talking to me, and she was really super nice. But I'm standing next to her, and I'm I'm facing her. But she re- rarely ever did that. She would occasionally do it, but she would talk and have a full tilt conversation with you. But she wasn't. She was really nice but i was like oh okay maybe i'm bucking her and we just ain't talking about stuff and then eventually i walked away i'm on stage shooting now a scene and then i watch prince walk over to her and he's talking to her and she does the same thing she's like oh yeah 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 okay so tell the people what were you thinking ingrid what was going well let's see i had um met prince a few years earlier so i had made this record with him that hadn't been released and so this is a few years later and and so mm. when I got back into this scene, I was kind of over it already. Mm-hmm. And so oh, she was, oh. I knew I was, I was right. Like, yeah, I, you so were kind of right. I knew I she was, was like, right. Whatever. I had a little bit of a, you know, like, okay, I'm going to do this movie, but, you know. I ain't fucking with her for real, though. And she like, go, <laughs> right. um, y'all just don't okay, know. Well, since you're here. Y'all don't know. She really, yeah. you saw it all over her. I Have <laughs> I not told you that? I told my cousin, and I was like going, she... She wasn't impressed by not not nothing any of us was well, doing. Can I ask? Like, can I ask a side question? This is this is a side detour, but I think Bill and I at least would like to know what was said to him. <laughs> oh, what did you say to him that made him cancel cancel the Black Album? Uh, I didn't say anything to him. I think he was looking he for a you, sign, you know. And when you he were met his me, sign, yeah. Okay. You know, so it wasn't a conversation. It was because he didn't talk to me about it. I had no idea about this black album or anything that was going on in his head that night. I, he was just had this. He was on this. He had these questions in his heart and his mind. I think, and the night that I met him, he felt like there was a sign and. 
Yeah, the sign was don't put out that shit to send the only good rappers are dead rappers. <laughs> do what you normally do. Put that shit on the time album. Let us beef with motherfuckers. Let, us, let the time, let me and Morris and Terry beef with motherfuckers we didn't have shit to do with. It's like when that shit said, we don't like New Wave. Ain't none of, I don't, that ain't me on there. That's all Prince voice that I know of. But you, that shit was aimed at Andre. Wow. I, we don't like oh, new ways wow. and that I shit ain't got oh, nothing I now i gotta go box petty but i gotta go box with motherfuckers now and i ain't got nothing to do with that shit on that record but that's Andre in the revolution no oh. well, not at this point okay. well, he had just left right no he had left the way yeah. before yo that. i never put two and two together I, me, neither. me neither but that, that I, I heard that when you heard it <laughs> okay I, the, the record came <laughs> by no, well, in my mind we I'm, don't like new way Hey, I ain't on none of that. Oh, not, damn, he was being petty. Wow. I'm not getting shot over like some shit I didn't have. Yeah, I'm surprised well, because Andre Simone had an album out around the same time called Living in the New Wave. Right. That no. was his whole. Well, that was his whole oh. thing. His whole thing was. See, new but wave. in my mind, I'm thinking like, well, is he talking about the Talking Heads or right, I'm thinking, right, right. I'm thinking like the actual legit oh. New Wave and, and but the uh, legit that was a whole thing about legit New Wave band. They didn't call themselves that. Yeah. You dig what I'm saying? It was Ooh. just. Press was calling him that, but so you never said that. Um, he, was, he was bucking a shot at Andre. And I, yeah. Was he not ever nice that. to anybody who left? <laughs> he was. He, he was, was petty. He, I don't know. Ask angry. angry. Was he, he ever was. nice to anybody who left? <laughs> was I think that when I left, my record got dropped. I mean, just like there was. Yeah, he was vindictive on that okay. shit. And then John, really? when I played there, December. When was that? Um, uh, December seventeen, twenty seventeen. John, uh, what's his name? John, you know the. John, uh, oh, Breen. John Breen, yeah, yeah, John Breen goes, well, you know, he was always fiercely, he was like, <coughs> he was always <coughs> fiercely competitive. I'm like, that shit ain't fiercely competitive. That's some bullshit. He did a lot of, when I left, he did a lot of stuff that people just don't know. Like the whole Shockadelica thing. I I, I think it's whole, we were, oh my God, we used to ride around um, LA with the, remember the, the, the garbage can back, Seville? The Cadillac Seville with the garbage can. Right. We Prince of Rim and those. We'd have the biggest hats on, could barely fit in the car. It was like something from I'm gonna get you sucker. We'd be <laughs> leaning. He was leaning this way. I'd be leaning, and we would. And and there's a riot going on. Was our Bible? Was our Bible? It was like day in day out. That's all you listen to. And so when I got the opportunity, which didn't have anything to do with me, John McClain put the whole thing together. Because John McClain, I was always always recorded in Minneapolis, so I wouldn't be in LA because I didn't want record people coming over let me hear that and there's this thing I never I didn't have budgets Mm -hmm. when I recorded I recorded on what is called a fund because when I signed with the label I knew enough by then because I was broke enough and had got you know (laughs) whatever initiated let's just say that that I knew knew how to do yes exactly Mm -hmm. how to at least construct a deal Mm -hmm. and so when I did, I signed as a production company, not as Jesse Johnson. So that's why I could go. I, if you look at that period, I'm on all kinds of stuff, doing everything everywhere. But when I, so John was my A&R guy. John McClain was my A&R guy. And, and, and he signed me. Mm-hmm. So I, the only artist I think I, he'd signed at that point in time. But um, he would fly in when I say I'm done. You know, I'm mixed. I'm done. And so... He would say, he said, I mean, okay, man, this is, you got a nice record and I'll play me shit, shit you don't like. And one of the songs mm-hmm. I, the crazy was in the songs I didn't like. <laughs> Why do he specifically ask you for what you don't because like? Because he knew that I would, because the way he 
set it up for me to record because I was recording on a fun and not on POs. Nobody knows what I'm recording. So when you're going to record an eight song album, you he knows I'm going to record 20 songs. A billion songs. songs. Right. Okay. And so he would go, okay, yeah, you, I play him song. He go, you got a nice record here. Now play me the shit you don't like. And one of the songs I played him was crazy. And he was like, oh, that's man. the hit. That he's, I'm going to take that to LA. I'm going to put Sly on there. And I couldn't picture it. I couldn't. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, and I couldn't picture it. I couldn't picture it. And he was like, so he did that whole thing. It had nothing to do with me. I didn't so see Sly until I went to LA to do the video, video. for Crazy. Okay. And that's when we. Sly recorded his parts away from you? A guy named Billy Valentine uh, got all the vocals and everything on Sly in LA. He did all of that. And Sly, I guess when he, you know, Sly was the pioneer of that slowing the tape down and mm -hmm. singing if you want me to stay right. now, that's where that sound comes from and so I get upset when if I do it now people oh so it's like Prince like, get the fuck out of here it's like Sly, was, Sly was the inventor of so much of that shit and so uh, that Prince he he took that really in a weird way and it was a and, and, and um, uh, this last thing I had a celebration in Minneapolis and some psychic lady said you know prince loves you or something sent the message saying that or whatever but they had a psychic reader at or, a medium, or somebody said a some I, I get that a lot but okay. he called me when we were in when i was saying some stuff with that something was not right and i was in a i was in for 11 days rehearsal with d mm -hmm. in new zealand and then we went to the Gold Coast, Byron Bay, to for this festival. And when I was there, we had got there a day off. And then we played. And the first day we played, when I came back to the room, because I don't take any of my, I don't take phones or anything with me. I leave everything at the hotel. I don't mm -hmm. take anything because motherfuckers would be stealing. So I leave everything at the hotel and completely disconnected and mm -hmm. kind of want need that anyway. But when I got back, he there was a girl that I can't, say her name is a unusual name but she uh worked for him so she's like oh prince wanted to talk to you has something for me and i haven't talked to prince in a thousand years so he's like you wanted to he has something for you and he wanted to tell you and he's like you know you need to do you you need to you know this is her message and you know google transcribes yeah the message and the only person i ever played the message for was d and he said, you know, you need to do, Jesse, these other people you're dealing with, they're, they want to be you, they want to be me, or they want to be Morris. And, they, you know, he said all this stuff like, they're beneath you. And, you know, I don't know who he was really talking about. And the only person I ever played it for was D. And D was like, who you think he's talking like, I don't know. I know. But I don't know. Anyway, he, but then, you know, anybody knows Prince, you know, you, you, you call the number and it's like a th burner. So, you know, it's like doesn't exist now. You call number back, but it's never self-destructed. Exactly. And so that was the last uh, thing I had interaction with him. And that was God. Was that 17? Six. When was that? 16? 16? Yeah. 2016. We were there because Karina was there, too. She, you know, you know, Karina, she's in the documentary. So she was there too, but yeah, the only person I played that shit for was D. But um, uh, we should say that D is D'Angelo for all the listeners, because I don't know they might. Not oh know. yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. okay. wait. Okay, we this is the most jumping ahead yeah. of time. Yeah, we got to go back a little bit. Yeah, we got to go back a, a lot, lot of it because yeah. I want to hear at least. Okay, so when you at least developed the first record, 
He well, what the was, slide thing really messed him up because the thing about it with with Prince, I learned a lot. Every almost everything I learned about when I got into time, like he, I wasn't afraid to do anything. Like you, you know, we would we like people think we were trying to look like girls, but we were who he was trying to really look like was Little Richard. Because you know, if you look at the photos, of Little Richard, he was pretty as fuck. Right. And so we, you know, and Prince would go, "You got to do this," and you you know, put the thing. Because I never wore makeup or had foundation on or eyeliner, mm-hmm. but he was like, whatever. You know, he was he just like knew that I was like fearless as well. And then when you're fearless like that, it helps that you have somebody alongside with you that thinks like minded that ain't just like ain't no tripping they don't trip mm-hmm. about the shit you know and, and people's like man i think that guy's gay and i'd be like dude you you better hope you gay like he gay then <laughs> only maybe a proctologist might see more crack than dude, but whatever what the fuck whatever fuck out here with that bullshit but they would always say that about me but see but james brown told me when they start calling you yeah that's when you know you made it you know, because <laughs> so, and, and when Maybe that comes from the oh, oh man, they were you remember as a kid, yeah. it was like James and Bobby Burr's getting married and all kind wow. of crazy. Okay, show. okay. And so yeah, when the signs of me first you gay, then um you start getting sued a lot <laughs> by people exactly. you grew up with. So, yeah, this or is, your sister, like in my case, was like threatening to cause you and wants money, or she's putting out a story of your wow. life. Wow! <laughs> wow! Wow! Really? Yeah. <laughs> I just remember I told y'all today. I said I saw the episode of uh, "Say Yes to the Dress." I just told him. Oh, that. Yeah. yes. Then I just said that in the dress room. But yeah, no. But uh, shout out to Doing T. I didn't love know. You. <laughs> love but you. going back to the black album, I just that 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 one song would have caused a lot of problems in L.A. That only dead good on rapper it. is a dead. dead. No, that's a song that's dead on it. Yeah, only good rapper is a dead rapper, and I was like. That shit gonna end up on a time record. Now we beefing and getting shot at. <laughs> Ain't got shit to do with that song, man. But you know, that was long gone after that. But but I'm just saying, dude, dude was vindictive when you left, and you didn't do anything wrong. You, I went and made it on my own merits. I wrote every song I ever did. Every song was mine. Because if I would have even attempted to steal something, because he didn't, you know, he didn't play that. He would sue the pants off you because he had the bread to do that. Mm-hmm. So I never went into anything like that with him. And I had just never signed releases or something. So when I left, lawyers were telling me, man, he owes you millions of dollars and mm. you can go. And I never did anything. He's got your freedom. So you, uh, you got I your ask, publishing though, where, right, for Jungle Love. Huh? You got your publishing for Jungle Love, right? No. I mean, I did, but I there's prices that myself and Morris had to pay if we were leaving. But I was never in a contract, but we still, there was prices you had to pay. Oh, so if you left, then... You had to Different. give up some things, so um, I mean, whatever. Okay, I gotta ask, where is that the board? Because I know that you purchased. <laughs> oh yeah, I bought it, but it was really nature. fucked up. Because I'm, I just left. I'm on my own. I'm, I'm. He know how poor I am, and he's doing dress rehearsals. You couldn't at just the, give uh, it to you, like fuck, no. It's just like this motherfucker is, and I. He's doing dress rehearsals at uh, uh, the uh, St. Paul Center or something. like Yeah, that. the St. Paul Civic Center, and I go over there and I got a check for. Think eighteen thousand. You know that's like nine million dollars to me. So, but that's nothing to him. him. I would just gave you the board, like no. But he was real hardcore, funny about it. it Messed up because the only person standing in the room when it went down was Alan Leeds. But I walk in the room and I said, you know, I want to get that board. It was a Soundcraft B three, great board. We did a lot of shit on it. Nineteen ninety nine, Vanity. 
the time we did a lot of great stuff on that. All the Purple Rain was done you on that board. You have the board. Yeah, so we I I go I give him a check for that, which was like killing me because because my fun my album my first album fun was one twenty five and they pay it to you in thirds. You know, you get a mm-hmm. third when you start, third when you mix and the other remaining third when you hand when it you in. but people think that's a lot of money but they don't realize it's working capital it's not mm-hmm. it's like you get maybe get to get 20 out of that if you lucky if you're lucky but i was really good and because it all the control is in your hands to 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 to, to you know to make sure you come and you know you you do right with the money so and so I go over to buy it and I had bought a board, but it was garbage. It was a Soundcraft 1600. And when I started recording, it was like, oh, and I already, and, and I had already lied my way into the record, you know, the mm-hmm. record deal. They said, you, you don't know about this. You, you produce records. Oh yeah. I mean, of course, man. I know what I'm doing. I ain't that a clue. <laughs> What I'm doing. Well, yeah, so I, Susan, which you, so that was at least half of it. No, actually, Susan didn't. Susan didn't come with me until until I did the the Love Struck song. That's actually, what. That's the Susan I'm talking about. On can that. I ask a question real quick? Mm-hmm. When did the the Janet Jackson tracks come in? Is this before you got signed or after? That's after, but okay. I was before my record ever came okay. out yeah. because that was a John McClane right, right project right. too. So. I, I bought that board. I had to take the other board back. It was garbage. I mean, it, it was, I don't know what I paid for it, 9000 or something. Anyway, I took that shit back. And I was like, all right. I was panicking. I had to make something happen. So I knew Prince would sell that board. And I called him. And he was like, yeah, yeah. Da, 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 da. And I didn't even say nothing. Like, man, why don't you just give it much motherfucking bill? You know, I didn't mm-hmm. get into that. I just said, okay, where do I need that? And I went over to the same place. I'm going to check. And Alan Leeds was in the room. And I. And I said, you know, you should be the nicest people anybody ever met. And he goes, why do you say that? And I say, because everything you've ever dreamed of is happening for you in the way that you dreamt of it happening, meaning a crossover, mm-hmm. right? Right? The crossover. That's why when the time plays 7-7 seven, seven and stuff live, white people be like, oh, what the fuck is that? And then the black people in the audience be like, yeah, because they knew right. all the time shit before that. But if you ever see the audience, the, the white uh, kids only the white folks only know that shit from the purple rain they think that's the only time record that's mm-hmm. and so i got to see that in 2008 when i performed that run in vegas with them and it's like you said seven seven and the, the get up and walk cool. and all that shit they fuck is on what is on and it's weird how now people don't they don't like something and they're not you know we like something we go man it's uh, kind of cool let me go see these mm-hmm. other records and then we right. might end up there's times we go damn shit oh man them records wasn't right yet you know but we'll go back and rabbit hole find out You'll, everything right, right, right. and so when i bought the board i he said i said yeah you should be the nicest person anybody ever meet and i'm meaning this because i love prince even to the day they, they he died we we were the best of friends we had a major love for one and i lived with him i lived with him i lived with him all the way and when we finished purple rain i was living at that house and then when he <laughs> to LA it was cold blooded so he went to LA and I said and on the rap night I said Prince can I stay at your house and use the studio (laughs) he said yeah but when I went there I said can I just use the studio because I knew he was going to LA to you know rap the film and do whatever I went there. He took all oh, the board oh. gear was gone. It was just the tape machine and the board and the speakers. I was like, <laughs> so I had to like go <laughs> rent some <laughs> shit <laughs> or yeah, reverb and all that. And that's where it's Susan came in. I met Susan and, and you've seen Susan say how if it wasn't for Jesse, yeah. I wouldn't have got the gig because I'm the one that came and I knew everything, but you couldn't never say nothing around Prince. I remember at Sunset Sound, he plugged in harmonizer and I said, What does that do? Don't worry about what that does. Oh Jesse. man. 
And that's all you I knew right then and there, okay, you ain't supposed to you ain't supposed to know no shit. But I always always had big eyes and ears open and stuff. So when he when she came in, she came from Crosby, Stills and Nash. So she never was around no thumping, bumping. And I said, Look, this is the drum machine he uses, this is how he likes his kick EQ, this is what he uses on the bass, and I showed her all that stuff. And so when he came in for the first time and finally called her, she knew all this shit. So all the outboard gear that he would have in his drum machines to... He took all that shit to L.A. Uh, he took it all with him. He didn't tell... He said, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> then when I asked <laughs> him, I was actually shocked. It was at the rap part. I was like, oh, because I had been staying there. But for some reason, it's weird as hell. I, I, Jamie she was asking me, you know, like, uh, top of the year, she said, all that time you spent at Prince House, why did you just sleep in the living room? on the couch and i said this bedrooms the, uh, he had other bedrooms in there and his bedroom was on the lower level and then after 1999 jamie had remodeled had the whole house remodeling at the westlake speakers and shit was all, but i and she said why didn't you ask she finally asked me why would you ever sleep in the other bedrooms i said because that best friend had them flowers and shit on it and ruffles that shit freaked me out man <laughs> but but let me tell you how uh, futuristic this cat was because I didn't know any of this stuff, but he would take me in the bedroom. Like, Owen, if you've you seen Twitter, and I said, yeah, Prince had a, I said, P had a stack of rejection letters. Because the one that Owen published is one of them, but he had a bunch of them. Because mm-hmm. he showed them to me. The only reason why I know because he showed them to me. But how ahead of himself he was. You know, he, in one of the bedrooms, he opened up the door to the closet to show me. And he had every outfit from the, what was the first album called? For, for you. For you. He had all of the, whatever he had on on there, leather jacket, the bell bottoms, the mm-hmm. shoes, he had everything. He kept everything. No he way. He had to get, he just had that foresight or something and he had, and he was showing it to me, but I didn't know what the stuff was. I'm like, some big ass platform shoes. What am I supposed to do? Right. But he had everything from every album up until, you know, this is like, after 1999 tour. So, but he was showing me just like, and that's where he had the whole stack of rejection letters. And he's like, look, look, look what this guy said. Look what this guy said. Look what they, and they were at all. I was like, I don't hear nothing. He keeps here. receipts. And they, they, yeah. Um, but, but it, but it to me was showing you how you, you had a belief in yourself. You ain't really. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Well, wait. I still didn't get the the, the question answered. Where is the board now, John McClain? <laughs> I after I, I Jesus after is that I Marvin's room? It, it's upstairs in Marvin's room. And John had it. So had, Marvin's board and Prince's board is in, in that the same upstairs, wow. up in the where in the Marvin's bedroom. bedroom is. Yes, it's upstairs. And if you walk in, if you walk upstairs and you see the bed, you know how he has that, that secret door that opens. I'm not even met. Like and John McLean, yeah, but I didn't. I, what did I buy? I bought the TS, the giant one, fifty-six input and all that automation because I had the two machines and stuff. I did so I outgrew it. But but my, it was nicer after I bought it because I had API, okay, uh, five fifty Bs mm-hmm. installed, had a row of like six of them installed in it. So I, you know, it was a great console though. It was sm- it smacked. Just it had a vibe to it. It really did. And that's why when he, I was just keeping it. And then he said, oh, I'll buy that. And then he bought it for what I paid for way back then. But he had Soundcraft come out and recap everything, refresh everything. So it's like, man, it's just sitting there. But it's all connected and everything, but it's just sitting there. And it's the 550B that we cut all that stuff in. And I'm just like really not a collector of anything. You're not sentimental? No. Okay, I got to ask you. How did you manage to escape the dressing room <laughs> from the food fight? It was that handcuffed. Like what they every everyone's account of the food fight in in Cincinnati was on the that 1999 tour. On the 1999 tour yeah, was that your your anger. But I was prompted though. you to take that that Entire oh. coat rack down. I, it wasn't because if you if I was really angry like that, I got a steel pipe in my head. I would it has been I'd been on death row right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I obviously wasn't. It was just like you know you. Uh, but I it scared me that day because Prince. When I when I took that thing down, everybody in that room, his band members, everybody fled like roaches. Yeah, like, no. he cut the lights. I was like. Oh. You could see because there's somebody was shooting pictures, and you could see just the tick. Somebody has pictures, and I was yeah, and I was running behind Prince, and like say if you open the door, you know most it was a it was a big big ass arena place, so they have fire doors. So when he opened the door, Bobby Z or somebody ran through the door before Prince, and so the door was closing, but Prince was busy doing this. And and then he hit the edge of that door, and I, oh. I kind of stopped because I thought he hurt himself. He right. hit that shit hard, but he like blam, and then rolled around the door. And I'm like, I'd have been dead if I hit the door like that. But no, I wasn't. 
bad like that. But we had it was a but was a funny though. I just I just got the concert, so I have them taking you. But oh, from, from the stage. But what you don't, what you didn't see is he was running. You know, see how giant the stage is. The stage mm-hmm. is like 10, 20 feet. He was running so hard. And then Roger Troutman's uh, drums, big ass drum set. Zaps, I think. So Zap's still on tour with you guys at yes, this point. So yes. Zap the time and Prince. Yes, it was before the Vanity Six. It was before the, the first night, year. So it's the controversy tour. Right. But it, that drum set is sitting there, giant, immaculate. He was running and he couldn't stop and he knocked that whole set off a of stage. Oh, like cool. 20 so feet. This is Bam. on stage. You guys on, are running. For we got, what is I, the audience I, saying? I got him good because he used to do less work. And he got that, I'll, 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 whatever he used to say. I'll I'll do you whatever the words are. Yeah, that. I'll towards do the you end. in the and he and then he'd always pull out this pair of underwear and do this like pull out a pair of drawers and be like, and like oh. man, I went on a special hunt. I got a pair of drawers that you you know you could put them on a car like a bra, <laughs> and I put that and I paid <laughs> the production <laughs> manager. I put that shit in his. Because when he would come off, he would change and put on the same kind of the same exact jacket. Right. Put that shit in the pocket. And he goes, I'll take you in. The... And he's like, <laughs> and you got to see it. it. It might even be on the tape to him. But you see him and he goes. <laughs> and it's like a magician pulling that <laughs> scarf. And, shit. and he's like, and he does this and he looks at the production matter because the production dude was from here. Right. And he looks at him and he's like, oh. He was so see he could do that shit, but he couldn't take the shit back. He was like, and I didn't think he'd be that hot about that, you know. <laughs> right. But he pulled that shit on these big ass straws, and he was. But the fact that you have to see him go, I put you in. And then he had the nerve to do like, and he was hot, and I was on the side of the stage. <laughs> and so that was the day before the food fight okay and so the food fight was the actual because that that day that i did that wasn't the end of it was the day before the so and then that's the food how it kind of started and was the end and so after the thing with me when they got me you saw the door kind of swung open. you saw the time members with juice bags on the head and it took green garbage bags put holes in them and had them yeah, all like smart. suits and all you saw them out there just hot and ready to kill. And so Morris, <laughs> we caught Matt Fink. And you know, you so they were so angry that they were this close to him and couldn't hit him. <laughs> it was <just> like <laughs> Oh, their aim was just off completely. Just, it was just off. I mean, I'm like crying. Cause Terry's like, he's just so close to me. <laughs> and then he, the egg breaks in his head. Oh, he's oh, like, he's gone. And good musicians he, shouldn't be sports and, people. And, but listen, but listen. <laughs> he's picking the egg off the mother. <laughs> I Do mean, just stuff. like revenge time. And the only person that wasn't in the food fight, they ran up on him, but he was never part of it. I never said more than, hey, what's up to him? Then all the years around, it was Brown Des Mar- Dickerson. Oh, Des? Mm. Daz Dickerson, but yeah, we caught Matt Fink somewhere, man, and he was not good. Uh, it wasn't pretty. Yeah, we were, you know, you just don't need a lot for the time to be mad. We ain't paid, and you know, we're 
Hey, you know, we're going back to the hood when the tours, you know, it wasn't a lot. Yo, bro. at the end of the day, were y'all at least scale like to other the other musicians that you would tour with? Like Roger Troutman and <laughs> Ask his crew, him that. We like... don't know nothing about no scales and shit. That's something Damn. that can't. We just, you know, but no, you, in all honesty, you can't. The reason why you never hear me bitch and moan about it because it's like you're there by choice. Right. So, you know, you nobody, man, you, man, he did, did. No, because what you learned and what an experience couldn't buy with all the money in the world. Mm-hmm. So when I look at it, and I've always looked at it like, what if I got paid way more money? But I would have never been in that inner. That's why when a man was sitting here and he was laughing about cleaning mm-hmm. the toilets, which I don't know, dude would call me in the middle of the night. I lived down, you know those apartments that you see from the freeway that are in different colors? Mm-hmm. Cedar Square West? That's where I live. Okay. And that's where they used to film the Mary Tyler Moore show. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. And that's also the building. But I used to live there. And to get in my car, you call me at any hour, and, and I would go drive way out there because it's the studio. And then the, the girl I was dating was like, man, I think you guys are having an affair. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Lee. You know how to make records. Call me, too. Right. You know, but I, this motherfucker called. This motherfucker knows how to make records. You know, and seriously, that's exactly what came out of my mouth. I'm like going... I'm sorry, but he went and out over you because <laughs> I can't hear my arm around you and, and listen to some records or whatever. And the three, you know, back then was still three channels. So right. Know. But I'm like, shit, this is one of the And so he would call me out there. Morris is the Morris is the witness to this. But Morris, you know, in the studio, they had that really long Q-tip. That you clean the heads yeah. with. <laughs> so every time. Oh, Morris would clean his Morris ears could, with it. Morris would be. Okay, Morris, <laughs> would you stop? Using those, those are not for that. He would be mad as hell. Uh. And Morris was like, I can't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> so you see Morris, he be, <laughs> Prince would be mad. Man, would you stop using those? Mouth bur- open. But this, we were, this is during, um, what were we recording? The Bird, I think. The, the Bird, the original Bird. Okay. And he called version. me out, and he called me out, I'm like, oh, I drive way out there in the middle of the night. I'm thinking I would record or something. Something got me out there because the machine broke. And I meant to rewind it by hand. With my Wait, hand. he called you just to, to be rewind his Yes, tape. because he knew. He's like, he's going to pay the dues to be in this moment. Because, you know, them two grew up together as kids, Morris and him. So Morris would be sitting at the board with him, and he would be crying. Because I'm like, man, fuck. The fuck is, why you had me come? Man, you need to call Don Batts. So and why Morris ain't give you the heads up? No, cause he, cause they're hilarious. They the funniest <laughs> dudes. They are the funny. Morris is probably one of the funniest dudes you ever meet, and he's off the cuff with it. Like on stage, even that run in Vegas, a girl came up and had this top on, and she had a, you know, was like tied in the back of the boat, and just off the top of his head, he got ready, he touched the strings, like I'm about to go from. PG the double D. And it was like, and it was like the shit that just immediately he don't think about it and he just fat and I just be like, I, I can't even it, it, and I tell you when we you know when we see each other, we'll see each other now and before we say anything, we just look at each other and start crying. <laughs> just start laughing because we know it so was, Morris is the same for everybody who never met Morris. He is Purple Rain. He's the same Morris that was in Purple Rain at the end of the day. He's funnier than he's that. probably funnier wow. than that. He's way wow. funnier because all be that cool. stuff was written. All that stuff was written by Prince. But Morris is Morris is funny as hell. He, he so funniest cats ever, man. All right, so are you, are you about to change the topic? Because I actually want to follow Jamming up. To look, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, th- there's a photo going around of Morris and Prince, and Prince is in Jamie Star mode. 
Um, oh, where he's doing that? Yeah. No, that's just the polls. They okay. were never. They were never like that. Well, no, 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 no. Like I'm just asking. Like you know, would he? Would the Jamie Starr character appear in the studio all the no, time? No, okay. never. That was some shit. That was just, and just okay. print. I only seen them about get ready knock up one time and I was just so happy I was like oh, I'm gonna fight Bean <laughs> got in the middle man you can't be fighting your friends <laughs> why would you get your big ass out of the way like this thing this shit has been long it was on the set of uh, Purple Rain wow. and Morris came in and uh, he was late mm-hmm. and and he wasn't late cause y'all don't even know man y'all don't even know man He we would be on the set every morning at 5.30 but we wasn't shooting hurry we'd up and be wait. in dress no it wasn't no hurry up and wait just didn't want us to be doing anything else oh. so you'd be on the set every day full makeup dress <laughs> and ain't shooting or nothing just had just so he would know where, uh, where's Jesse I know where he's over there okay you know that kind of shit <laughs> and, and, and so Morris was like yeah man you know what fuck this shit and so Morris walked in one day it was so it was so amazing because he was always like my idol because mm-hmm. he he came in high collar clean as hell ascot look, just looked amazing hair laid everything came in clean as hell and Prince and it was a when you first walk in the first avenue you know you can either go that way mm-hmm. if you go this way there's a stairway so that right, stairway still, is okay. full of extras mm-hmm and Prince walked up to him, which he was used to doing and saying stuff to him, and Morris never would say anything. <laughs> In front of everybody? But he, this morning, wasn't, he, he wasn't that one. Because he walked up to him, man, you know you're late. And the thing about it, he's doing this, man, you know you're late. <laughs> Look at him. Look at him. And Morris is like, motherfucker, I ain't blah, 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 blah. And what the fuck, nigga, blah, blah, blah. And I wow. was like, eh, it's about like, time around this motherfucker. <laughs> and then when they made it to the dressing room with that, then Prince came into the dressing room and said, man, and blah, 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 blah. And Morris immediately was like, motherfucker, nigga, you are da, da. And then Bean jumped. And he's like, bring that shit, man. Morris was getting ready. And I was like, I'm standing back going. Because that's what he would, me and Jerome used to fight all the time. Really? Because when, when Jerome got... When Jerome came around, he wasn't in the band. Right. He was like the roadie dude. Mm-hmm. So he would be mad all the time. You'd see him and he'd be moving the suitcases and road case. He'd be mad all the time. He was always mad at me for something. He didn't even know me, but he was always. And so we'd fight all the time. I said, you know what, I'm tired of you, muscle head motherfucker. Let's do this shit. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and Prince used to be the, always be the one. No, let him fight. Let him fight. Oh. So that was my opportunity mm, to go instigator. Yeah, yo, and Bean jumped in. Yo, get your friends, yo, but man, get your ass out the way. Let these niggas have this shit out. There. I just want to know who said, I will fuck you up. Morris said. Yes, he did. Morris said. Ah, so sorry, y'all. So sorry to cut y'all so short, but, you know, there's more to come next week on our special interview with Jesse Johnson. Uh, tune in next week when Jesse will talk about those uh, Purple Rain deleted scenes that we didn't get to see touring with uh, Luther Vandross and uh, Roger Troutman and Larry Troutman. Uh, Also, uh, we'll talk about a few Prince demos going up for auction. Uh, It'll be a blast, y'all. Trust me, trust me. You want to come back next week for part two of our interview with Jesse Johnson on Questlove Supreme. See you then. Quest Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.